Welcome to 49ers Access. My name is Joel Bennett. This is episode number 49, the magic number 49 of the podcast. And today we are going to preview the 49ers week 7 matchup against the Indianapolis Colts. Going to get into, can the Niners finally win a home game this year? Do we really have to address DeForest Buckner's trade? Has some injury updates. Going to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo and what this means for his career. But let's jump right into the injury updates for today. If you haven't heard as of today, October 22nd, Friday, 2021, Javon Kinlaw is out on Sunday versus the Colts. Trey Lance and Maurice Hurst are also out. Trey Lance still dealing with the knee injury. He will not be active. Nate Sudfeld will be quarterback number two. Maurice Hurst was seen leaving the facility in an orthopedic boot due to a calf injury. Hopefully, he's going to be okay. And Javon Kinlaw, probably the biggest name, at least as of concern. Kyle Shanahan mentioned that they are concerned about Javon Kinlaw's knee. It's a week-to-week process with him currently, and he's a candidate for injured reserve. So, really some bad news for Javon Kinlaw. Again, another interior defensive lineman who's hurt. Kevin Givens is already out. Maurice Hurst is out. Javon Kinlaw out. This team is down three interior defensive linemen against the Colts on Sunday. Primetime, Sunday Night Football. Could be a mud bowl. We'll get into that too as well. But again, three, I don't want to say awful injuries, but three injuries that could impact this game, uh, at least with Kinlaw and Hurst both being out. Uh, Lance, which is weird to say, is probably the least effective injury, I guess, or like the least impactful injury of the three there. Trent Williams, starting left tackle, is also doubtful. Uh, He had an ankle. They say he may have sprained his ankle. It doesn't seem like it's too bad, Uh, but he could uh, be out on Sunday. Jalen Moore, the rookie fifth-rounder, could get his first start of his NFL career against Indianapolis Colts on Sunday. Marcel Harris is questionable, and Jamichael Hasty is active. The running back is back, so they will have Hasty, Elijah Mitchell, Trey Sermon, and Trenton Cannon all in the backfield together. I'm assuming we're going to see a Hasty-Mitchell combination, maybe Sermon sprinkled in there, uh, but it's been, we had a bye week. This team, again, was hoping to get healthy for the first time. Jimmy Garoppolo is back. We will talk about him, but, you know, it is the spooky season. It is Halloween season, and it seems like every single time, you know, that that we think we're getting healthy again, that we think that there's a good chance that we're going to be at least 90% healthy again. You know, coming into the year, it was, oh, we're healthy again. Your Super Bowl run coming up, or at least a deep playoff run, and then week one comes in injuries. Uh, 2020, we know the story. You know, we're healthy coming into the season, a revenge tour, and week one, D Ford gets hurt. Week two, Nick Bosa and Garoppolo and Mostert and Thomas and everyone gets hurt. Uh, now th- this year again, you know, coming off the bye week, there was kind of this. Uh, while there hasn't been a lot of hype in regards to at least around the Bay Area, because Warrior season started, Giants were in the playoffs, but uh, there kind of is. Uh, there hasn't been as much hype around this game, but this game is arguably the biggest game of the season. Uh, you don't want to be two and four going into a Week 8 matchup against the Bears. Um, So it's just, again, this game is really important, and unfortunately the Niners, again, are going to be missing uh, three important pieces, or at least three key pieces in Kinlaw, Lance, and Hurst, but also could be missing their starting left tackle, who they paid big money in the offseason. Jalen Moore, again, a rookie 
might be relied upon to hold down the fort at left tackle. And we know uh, that this year, the Niners, who have tried to establish the run, uh, and I would assume if, if if the case on Sunday is this mud bowl, there is a 99% chance of rain in Santa Clara tomorrow, that being Saturday, and I believe still a 100% chance of rain on Sunday in Santa Clara. So uh, if you're looking for that mud bowl-esque game, I know I live in the East Bay uh, in California. It's been sprinkling off and on. I also work in San Francisco. It's been kind of a uh, sprinkling off and on there as well. Uh, so again, there hasn't been this you know downpour of rain, but again, it looks like when the weekend comes, we could get that. And it, it's a great thing that we're getting rain. There's a drought in California, or at least has been for what seems like forever. Uh, so the rain is a great thing, but I hate to kind of go against the idea that California needs rain. But if you're San Francisco, uh, the, the last thing you want to do is getting a mud bowl dog fight against the Colts. Especially without Kinlaw, maybe Trent Williams, Maurice Hurst, no Kevin Givens, like they're going to be reliant on maybe Zach Kerr, maybe Darian Daniels, and DJ Jones, who, again, all capable people, but I would just rather be able to. Again, you love to have Kinlaw, you love, love to have your starters involved in a game like this, especially interior wise. Uh, and again, Trent Williams, uh, we all know how great he is. Like, you can't understate how great Trent Trent Williams is uh, on the offensive line, but and, and Leo Luna, who's been on this podcast, he's a, again covers this team. Uh, he's a good person, uh, and he's a great follow on Twitter. Uh, he mentioned that uh, Williams will be missed more in the run game than the passing game. Uh, Williams holds the highest run block grade per PFF, ninety four point nine, pretty much ninety five. Uh, so. The Niners could be missing the best offensive lineman run blocker in the NFL on Sunday in a game that could become a mud bowl. Again, that is not what you want, despite how much uh, rain California needs. Uh, needs Those who are saying, oh, mud bowl, it's going to be awesome, going to be fun. Yeah, you know, the, the, the way it looks, you know, we saw how it was in 2019. Washington, the entire team sliding down, like... I get it, you know, like there are the aesthetic is it's it's very fun, uh, it's muddy, it's dirty. It kind of gives you that like this is how football used to be to a certain degree. This is how football should be played, where it's just, it's the gridiron, it's the gladiators, it's mud, it's blood, like that's football. It kind of brings out our animal instinct. Uh, it, it unfortunately reminds me of the the the, the, the longest yard where they spread the, the, the field down and they're running around, and it's just a very funny scene. But again, a mud bowl isn't something I'd be rooting for, especially when you look at the DVOA ranks for the Colts defensively. The Colts suck against the pass. They just do. They're ranked 29th in the NFL against the pass this year. Not good. And again, if you're San Francisco and you're wanting this to be a mud bowl game, I uh, hate to remind you that the Colts are ranked number one in DVOA defensive ranks against the run. If you want a mud bowl, I ask you to uh, adjust your thinking. Because this is a game where you want the ability to pass the football. The last thing you want, especially against this team who, yes, has the Forrest Buckner playing interior defensive line for them. And we will talk about that slightly and how it's irritating to keep going over it. But this is not a 
game against this team in the Colts that you want to get into a dogfight against. Now, me and you know, you know, the collective fan base knows that this Niners defense has been phenomenal all year. They've struggled at certain points. Again, that Green Bay game sticks out, but they were great against the Cardinals. They've had a long, pretty much two weeks. They had the extra week to prepare for this game. And I do believe they have a game plan in place. I do believe in Demeco Ryans against this team. Uh, but again, where have the struggles been for this Niners team? Have they been defensively? Nah, I don't think so. The struggles for the Steiners team have been offensively. I've criticized Kyle Shanahan. I called him a genius loser last week alone. Like, the struggles have been defensively, offensively, excuse me. And in a game where it could be, you know, downpouring rain, the ball is slippery, uh, Garoppolo can't get a grip on the ball, and, and let's be honest here, he's known to have one of those, you know, he, he is, he is... And on the spectrum of things, on, on the scale of things, the graph, he is the worst quarterback in 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 regards to turnover-worthy plays on you know big passing plays or down-the-field plays. So in a game where you are playing a team where you can hopefully exploit their passing defense, which is third-worst or fourth-worst in the NFL, the Niners may have to be reliant on the run game even more so, especially if it's raining and that ball's slippery. Garoppolo can't get in rhythm because of that. We know how much of a rhythm quarterback he is. If he can't get into that rhythm, maybe the ankle's still bothering him. If it's cold, maybe the ankle tightens up a little bit. Again, there are so many areas where this mud bowl type of game could backfire for San Francisco. Uh, the last thing you want, you're probably not going to get cramping, but that's when your muscles tighten up. That's when the hits feel a little harder. And if you're a team like San Francisco who has dealt with injuries over and over and over again, uh, and now you may have four more guys out who you're going to need almost every single Sunday, especially Williams and Kinlaw, uh, the last thing you want is a mud bowl style of football game. You want a dry Santa Clara air the ball out style of game because you can do that against the Colts. You cannot and likely will not win a game against the Colts in a pound the ball through the tackles, in in between the tackles uh, type of game. You're just not going to. They have the number one defense against the run in the NFL this year. And that starts with DeForest Buckner. Up front, the X-49, we know the story, right? Like, we know... The Niners lose the Super Bowl, got to resign Armstead, got to resign Buckner. Who do you pick? They pick Armstead over Buckner simply because of the money situation. And I didn't know this, and maybe that's to my own fault about this, but the Niners apparently had a conversation with DeForest Buckner pre-trade, and I, I think we all assume this is how these conversations go. There's negotiations, obviously, like, hey, I want $85 million, and the Niners are like, no, like, we'll give you 78 and then you meet in the middle somewhere, you know. It's not like Pawn Stars where you come in going, I want $1,000, and Chumbly and Rick are like, how about 10 bucks? Like, it's not like that. <laughs> no, this is not Pawn Stars um, and like that. But Buckner said he was willing to take less money. Like, his agent said this is the price. Buckner said, wait a minute, I want to stay in Santa Clara in San Francisco. I want to be a part of something special here. Uh, what can you guys do? The Niners are like, look, like we have a lot of guys to repay, uh, and, and while we'd love to keep you here, like look for a trade elsewhere. Um, like keep your mind open. Where would you want to play? Which again, 
ultimately led to him being traded, which led to Javon Kinlaw being picked. And now it's always hard to look back because now Kinlaw's hurt again. The questions are, oh, he's a bust. you got to trade him. And I think in... I mentioned this last year. I don't believe when I said this, but I remember it last year was the beautiful thing about 2020 is it, is it allowed the Niners to take a step back and look at the mistakes they had made, whether it was drafting, whether it was free agent signings. And I do think they did that to a certain degree. I think they made it a point to not bring in hurt players after 2020. I think their thought process was let's re-sign guys who we think are valuable to this team uh, let's let older guys like Sherman walk. Let's bring in guys uh, you know, or, or re-sign guys like Tart and bring in guys like Barrett to maybe one-year deals that are cheaper than most other teams would want to pay. Uh, and again, you can argue that the Barrett deal backfired and other things backfired. And yes, those are all valid things to say. But I do think that was kind of the, the beauty of 2020 of we can readjust our thinking here. But the issue is, this is DeForest Buckner's first time back in San Francisco, Santa Clara, Levi Stadium, since he was traded. And the unfortunate part is, since they traded DeForest Buckner, now, again, context matters here, injuries play a big part in this. The Niners are 8-13. and 8-13, they have yet to win a home game since October 18th in 2020. They didn't win a game at home. They've gone a full calendar year since a win at Levi Stadium. Again, it's they were four and four at Levi's in 2014, four and four at Levi's in 2015, one and seven at Levi's in 2016, three and five at Levi's in 2017. That was when Jimmy Garoppolo came in late in the year and kind of re-sparked the franchise. Four and four at Levi's in 2018, six and two at home in 2019. But 2020 to this point. In 2021, San Francisco is 1-9 at Levi Stadiums. And this does include the three home games in Arizona. I get that. They are 1-9 in their last 10 home games. Again, three of those being in Arizona. But again, they have not been good at home at all. Now, I'm not saying Buckner is the main cause of that. But what I'm saying is it will be very fitting for one of two things. DeForest Buckner in this mud bowl possible style of game comes in a wreck shop and this proves to the Niners or maybe reiterates to them, you made a mistake. I know, look back, I don't know what year it was exactly, but I was a wee little lad <laughs> of a Niner fan and I remember Julian Peterson leaving for the Seahawks and how awful that was. And, and Seattle really wasn't that good by any means, but it was a division rival who the Niners really weren't that great against the years following when he departed to Seattle. Uh, and that was kind of the beginning of the, the turn against you know Seattle against San Francisco, that division rivalry kind of built up there that obviously reached its peak with Legion of Boom. But when, when Julian Peterson left San Francisco for Seattle, I remember very clearly his first couple plays, his first couple sacks, maybe an interception here, he was pointing to the back of his name like, you shouldn't have left me go. Like, you should not have let me depart for a division rival. And, well, I don't think DeForest Buckner would do that <laughs> in San Francisco. I do think he's going to come out with a point of, like, I'm going to prove to you, not that he has to, but I do think he wants to, in the back of his head, to prove to them that you picked the wrong guy over me 
And again, I'm not saying he is the main reason they haven't won at home uh, in what seems like you know almost over a full year. What I'm saying is, is that this game could go one of two ways. Buckner wrecks shop. He proves to the Niners that look like I am arguably your biggest mistake outside of drafting Thomas over Mahomes and Watson. Um, but also I can see this going the other way, that the Niners go, we're playing Buckner at home in prime time, got to get this win. Like Again, this Niners team is not bad. Despite being 2-3, and three, uh, they have all of their losses are within one score. Like That's how close they've been to being 5-0. and oh. On the flip side, that's how close they are to being 0-5. Uh, but no, I think we, we can all agree the Niners are not an 0-5 team. They should arguably be 3-2. and uh, That Packers game, that sticks out very clear in my mind. I'm sure it does yours as well. And that's the frustrating part, right? Like The Niners are not good at home, uh, and the season has been one of what-ifs. What if this guy's healthy? What if we won this game? What if we had 20 seconds on the clock instead of 30, instead of 37? Like, that's kind of been the case of what if Trey Lance gets into the end zone on, on, on the fourth and one and, and things are different. Like, that's that's kind of the the theme of this year. But then what that brings us to Jimmy Garoppolo. Because he's healthy. He's back. And, again, I, I mentioned earlier how we don't want this game to be a mud bowl. Uh, again, despite how much rain California needs... Despite, I think many of us, including myself, saying it's it's Halloween season, um, I'm ready to, you know, I, I just watched Halloween Kills with my brother this past week. Uh, mixed review, if you want to ask myself, but again, like, that put me in the mood. I love Michael Myers, I love Halloween, I'm ready to hunker down, drink coffee, eat soup uh, in my bedroom, you know, l- listen to the patter of the rain, uh, and I've been doing rain dances, you know, like, I love the rain uh, my birthday's in November, like, my favorite part of the year is raining during the fall, the fall leaves, the atmosphere, it, it's just a great time of the year, but if you're a Niner fan on Sunday, you should be doing an anti-rain dance, like, forget the anti-Jimmy dance, do the anti-rain dance, like, we do not want it to rain on Sunday, because this game could get ugly really quick, Jonathan Taylor is one of the best running backs in the NFL, uh, the Colts are the seventh-ranked rushing offense uh, this season in, in the NFL. Carson Wentz is playing far better this year, at least in his past three weeks. This these past three weeks, he has a near 70 comp percentage, six touchdowns, no picks, a rating of 123.4. He's healthy again. He has one turnover, that being a fumble. Again, averaging almost 300 yards per game. Uh, Carson Wentz is playing his best football he has in a really long time. Uh, again, this Colts team is healthy enough offensively. Now, again, Paris Campbell's out, uh, and Julian Blackman, their safety's gone, which again reiterates the fact that we need to be able to pass the ball against this team, and that starts with Jimmy Garoppolo. And the funny thing here is that since the Super Bowl, Jimmy Garoppolo has kind of regressed. And I think we all know like the injuries hampered him down. Uh, there are certain games where you can kind of scratch off the list, like the Seattle game last year. Uh, maybe that Cardinals game in Week 1 where it was Dante Pettis and Trent Taylor playing receiver. Again, just awful games. The Dolphins game where you're like, he obviously isn't healthy. But there's games where he just hasn't looked like himself. Uh, the Eagles game. 
He, he made big plays to keep them in that game, arguably the main reason they won that game. But earlier on in that game, just wasn't wasn't Jimmy Garoppolo. It didn't seem like himself. Um, the Packers game early didn't seem like himself, but finished strong, which is what you want out of your veteran quarterback. But his comp percentage since the Super Bowl is down to 66%. That is dead last in the NFC West. And that's even if you include Jared Goff, who is now in Detroit. Uh, he has 71 completions through four games. That's good for 25th in the NFL. If it makes you feel better, uh, Trey Lance has 10 completed has 10 completed passes in three games. That is 37th. Like, <laughs> just like, and, and this isn't a a Jimmy Garoppolo Lance conversation. It's more of like something's going on with Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo. Again, injuries do change that. But there are things that just don't seem like like it just there hasn't been a rhythm. They have mentioned this over and over and over again. Garoppolo himself said, like, look, we can't get into rhythm. I don't know what it is, but like we are not getting into rhythm. And that's led to uh, that's led to criticism towards Shanahan, and it's very valid. I've done it before. But here, and, and this stat is very staggering to me. His TD percentage is down. His yards per attempt are down. And through four games this season, he has the worst QBR in the last three seasons. His best QBR was 87.5 in New England, and his 5-0 run in 2017 with the Niners when it was 82.7. Right now, Jimmy's QBR through four games is 49.5. Now again, I don't know how much weight you give to QBR, but he's his quarterback rating is half of what it was, or nearly half of what it was in 2017, in 2019, and in 2016 when he was in New England. He's not playing good football. Or at least his rating isn't good. He's not putting forth consistent football. His yards per game are down. His best again was when he was 5-0 in his first season with the Niners in 2017. And I think we can agree, and I can say this very bluntly and very openly, I like Jimmy Garoppolo. I have pounded the table for Jimmy Garoppolo. Even after drafting Trey Lance, who I love, I think the potential is there. I pounded the table to draft Trey Lance. I was an advocate to draft Trey Lance. He was in my mock drafts over and over and over again. This is the guy I believe they should have drafted. But I said Jimmy Garoppolo should remain the starter. The offense runs efficiently with him, usually. He's consistent with the football, or at least consistent day in, day out. While he may throw a duck here or there, that's the price you live with Jimmy Garoppolo. He has a history of winning. This offense, or the locker room, loves him. The offensive unit loves him as a player, as a leader. But now we're treading into territory where Jimmy Garoppolo is not necessarily playing effective football. He's starting games slow. He's finishing games really well, but starting games extremely slow. Yes, injuries do affect this. They always do. No running game. No Kittle. Where's Ayuk? Is it Sanu? Is it Sherfield? Who is your receiver number two at this point in the year? I get it. 
there are things that hamper and hinder the offense outside of Garoppolo. And there are games this year, Detroit, Philadelphia, and even that Green Bay game, he had them winning when it mattered most. There are good things. But right now, he is not playing efficient, consistent football. And that leads me to arguably my biggest point of the show today is that these next two weeks are the most outside of the playoff run in 2019. These next two weeks are the most pivotal and important two-game stretch of Jimmy Garoppolo's tenure with the 49ers. If the Niners do anything outside of winning these next two games against the Colts and the Bears, the conversation of do we bench him or do we trade him gets increasingly louder. If they beat the Colts on Sunday, it gets quiet. If they beat the Bears in in two weeks, it gets quiet. But if they split, if they lose two games in a row, and if Trey Lance is back from his knee injury, this entire conversation flips on his head. If this team is two and five, if this team is three and four, November second is that trade deadline. If the Broncos continue to stumble or maybe stay afloat in the AFC West, AFC wildcard picture. If the Washington football team decides that, hey, look, our defense has struggled. We need a veteran quarterback in here. Fitzpatrick isn't back yet. Heineke isn't the guy for us. Do we need another quarterback? We have a second-round pick at our disposal. We need a winner. We think we can win or slide into the wildcard spot. It all depends on these next two weeks. In the next two weeks, Niners play the Colts and the Bears. Not very good teams, realistically. The Colts, again, have played better as of recent. But I do think Sunday is a winnable game for this team, despite maybe even not having Trent Williams in the game. Even if it is a mud bowl, I would still, while I would lean Colts, I would still say the Niners have a good chance to win. Week 8, in Chicago, Jimmy Garoppolo's homecoming. I do believe they can win that game 10 in the morning on Halloween. I believe they can win that game. But the question becomes, if they do not win those games, does a team like Washington or Denver, uh, maybe a team, I don't know, you can pick one. You can, like The NFC is wide open here. Does a team, maybe if the Dolphins trade for Deshaun and maybe Houston can't get to it, do they want a quarterback in there? Again, there are so many what-ifs that can go wrong here, again, two weeks away, but the trade deadline is November 2nd. If Garoppolo splits or they lose these two games against the Colts and the Bears, the offense continues to maybe be inconsistent, then the door opens for, do we trade Jimmy Garoppolo? Do we cut our losses here? Do we free up money? Do we see maybe the the increased importance of freeing up $24 million? Does it allow you to buy a different player? Does it allow you to strategize for the draft sooner? Does it allow you to maybe sign a veteran you need on this team? Does it allow you to maybe make a different move down the road? Now, I want to be very clear here that a lot of this is unknown. A lot of this is... You know, the NFL isn't known to make gigantic trades. Multiple, like these, these aren't real. Like, like the idea that you like you can just trade big name players all the time doesn't happen. And they're very rare. And, and that's why when they do, it's like, whoa, 
I can't believe Randy Moss got traded. Like, those are very rare in the NFL. But come November 2nd, if in the next two weeks things aren't going their way, Trey Lance is healthy again, and we're coming up on that Cardinals game on November 7th, I could easily see them either one benching Garoppolo or the other option would be cutting your ties completely and maybe gaining a third-round pick. Or even if Garoppolo plays well and this team loses these two... Like, let's say Garoppolo comes out and it's not his fault they, they lose to the Colts or it's not his fault they lose to the Bears. And he plays consistent football, the offense is humming a little bit more, but they lose those games. And they find themselves at 2-5 and five in Week 9. And they're sitting there like, well... We're 2-5. and five. We're kind of on the outside looking in towards a playoff run. Uh, maybe it's a good chance to get our offensive line used to Trey Lance, uh, get Debo and IU kind of back into the fold in regards to running off-schedule plays and getting Lance the experience he needs. Lance almost beat the Cardinals, should have beat the Cardinals uh, two weeks ago. Then they have the Rams for the first time this year. But again, the Cardinals game, winnable. Jaguars game, winnable. Vikings game, winnable. You can beat Seattle Week 13. I think even if they have Russell Wilson, he's coming off a major injury his first week back. I do think that they can beat Seattle. The Bengals game is tough, but ultimately winnable. The Falcons game, winnable. The Titans game, winnable. The Texans game, winnable. I do think if these next two weeks go sour and Jimmy Garoppolo plays inconsistent football, and this team either splits or loses both these games, there is a good chance we see the end of Jimmy Garoppolo's tenure in San Francisco, either via benching or trading. Now, with that said, I do want to defend Jimmy Garoppolo here, just to kind of play the flip side of this. San Francisco had the eighth toughest schedule weeks one through five. The remaining weeks... They have the 26th toughest schedule. That, at least in my case, does reaffirm my faith in Jimmy Garoppolo. We are just now having to play this. What if every scenario happens? We have to cover every scenario because anything can happen. San Francisco come, you know, week nine could be four and three. And we're like, oh, like we're back in the wild card picture. Maybe the Cardinals lost a game or the Rams lost a game. And we feel better about our playoff positioning. And everything I said is an irrelevant topic of conversation. Because trade deadline passes, Garoppolo plays that second game against the Cardinals, and we're feeling much better about ourselves. But here, again, these next two weeks are so pivotal. Because these next two weeks ultimately while not necessarily deciding our playoff fate, they play the biggest, they are the biggest obstacle in regards to our playoff hopes. If we lose against the Colts, are the playoffs over? No. But it makes that job 10 times harder. If they lose these next two games, again, that goes into the conversation of, well, Lance should probably start. And the entire season is flipped on its head. And then the conversation becomes, well, you wasted seven weeks, eight weeks with a Garoppolo. You could have had Lance there the entire time. And then all hell breaks loose and chaos happens. Like, the Niners' season is kind of 
at an angle and could very easily tip on its head at any moment with the fan base who, again, I love this fan base, but they are entitled. This fan base feels the need to know every single thing about this team. And that is because they love this franchise. They want to cover this team. They want to be engrossed as one of the faithful. They feel like they are in the red and gold every single day, which is a beautiful thing. But we're not inclined to know everything. And as soon as the season takes a bad turn, the fan base flips the switch and it becomes just a hellhole because they care so much. And I'm and, and the the best example of this is the Brandon Ayuk stuff. And again, I am a proponent of criticize what you see and you can also criticize what you don't see. We're not seeing Brandon Ayuk touches and carries and 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 receptions and targets. Why not? What's the issue there? And people want to talk about he's not getting targets behind the line of scrimmage, and I get that. Like there are no manufactured touches for one of the best yak players in the NFL last year, which was only his rookie season. And it's either inexcusable or it's intentional. Like, th- like it's either Shanahan is just like, look, like it's not my fault Garoppolo or Lance aren't targeting him. Like, that's not the play design. Or it's completely intentional in regards to Shanahan is not designing plays for Brandon Ayuk, who he traded up for in the draft. And unfortunately, it's this fan base is at a craze. Why isn't and, and rightfully so? And I went down Shanahan's road last week and said, why isn't this guy like forget Sanu, forget Sherfield? They are background players in the bigger story of this. This is a Shanahan and Ayuk thing. Whether Shanahan is being too stubborn or Ayuk did something that pissed Shanahan off. Now, Mariyoko has hinted at this, that Ayuk came into the year thinking he knew what was going on. Like He made it after one season. And I'm not saying that was that, that reminded Shanahan of Pettis, but that was the same thing that got Dante Pettis in Shanahan's doghouse. The work ethic died down. Pettis thought, well, I made it. I had a good rookie season. I've made it. I know what I'm doing. And he took his foot off the gas. I would like to think Shanahan would see that Ayuk is not Dante Pettis, especially after trading up for him. But you either have a coaching problem or a player problem. And I don't really think it's either one. I think it's right in the middle. I think you have a player who came in to this year thinking, I have it all figured out, uh, and took his foot off the gas somewhat. And I think you have Shanahan who was like, this is happening all over again get in the doghouse, the kennel door shut, you're going to do things my way, or you're not going to see the ball. And I do think, to a certain degree, Kyle Shanahan is punishing Brandon Ayuk. Now again, this could be a point of, we, I don't know if they view the year as a a Super Bowl season at, at this point, and I think they shouldn't. I've been very vocal of that. But, by not having Ayuk on the field, you've kind of somewhat punted on the year in regards to offensively, you're not going to be at full strength ever. You're putting, whether it's Lance or Garoppolo, at a disadvantage. Because your second best receiver isn't playing. And again, I, I, I understand why the fan base is is mad. I get it. It's, it's very frustrating. 
John Lynch had very interesting comments to make to Matt Mayoko this past week about Ayuk and the team and how it's it's not a panic point. Well, if you lose to Indianapolis and you lose to the Bears, well, you can hit that panic button. Because then it becomes Lance needs to start, Garoppolo should get traded, and at that point his trade you know, his trade value is so in the trash, you're looking for like a fifth round pick or a fourth round pick, which defeats the entire purpose of starting him all year. And I hate to break it to you that if you're getting a fourth round pick or a fifth round pick for Garoppolo, that's not just on him, because Shanahan set in a certain degree him up for failure not having his second best receiver on the field for half the year. Like, people want to point fingers. Again, my, my eyes go back to Shanahan. And, again, you can say, well, you didn't cover this guy on that play. You didn't make this right throw. You didn't hit the hole on the run. You made a bad block. And that's all fair game. But if you want to point fingers, you point to the top. You point to leadership. That's how it always is. How it always will be. And if the season goes awry... I'm not saying you're he's on a hot seat or he's getting fired or you're going for his head. What I'm saying here is the burner gets turned up. It's going from simmer to four. It's going from simmer to seven. People are saying, you better start Lance now and prove to us he was the right guy. And, and, and I don't think that's very valid, but that's where we're at in the year. Especially if they lose against the Colts on Sunday. Especially if it's a mud bowl and this team falters in prime time at home and goes technically 0 for 10 in their last 10 home games. Like this fan base and this team carries itself like they did something special in 2019. And by all means, it was a magical year, a magical year, but this is not this team. The Shanahan and Lynch, the Garoppolo, the Kittle, the Nick Bosa and D. Ford and Eric Armstead, we knew that year are a little different. Garoppolo and Shanahan and Lynch are a little jaded. There are dinks and cracks in the armor. The seats have become hotter. By all means, Garoppolo's pretty much a year and a half removed from nearly winning a Super Bowl MVP and he's going to be gone in a year, maybe two. If he plays well. Like, and now the head coach and the GM are maybe a year and a half removed from being on the hot seat after signing five-year extensions? Like, again, we are at a breaking point in the year. We are at a, a turning point where if things take a turn, there will be calls for firings quarterback changes like we've never seen before and I think in this case would be at least justifiable for the first time the entire offseason but if they want to I'm, I'm I'm not going to say save their job but I want to say save themselves from social media possible cancellation possible uh, criticism possible calling for the seat to be turned up to the 11th degree they have to win on Sunday. And if they don't win on Sunday against the Colts, well, if you lose against the Bears, season's over, with the white flag, and start the retool. Start the Trey Lance experience, because by all means, the season is pretty much over at that point, and they have 
almost, well, I don't think they will have, they've almost declared themselves losers for the fifth out of six seasons under Shanahan's tenure. A long year to go, a lot more weeks to go. We have an extra game this year. So many things can change. My point in all of this is there are so many possibilities going forward, and Sunday is the chance to rewrite that ship. Your quarterback is healthy again. Your running backs are pretty much healthy again. Yes, there are injuries on the defense. Trent Williams could be out. But this Sunday is the chance to right the ship, get back in line, get the sails going, and turn the season around before this fan base turns on this team once again. And that starts with Shanahan and Garoppolo and Lynch. This season is at a breaking point in the next two weeks. It is up to the quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, this defense, Michael Ryans, Kyle Shanahan, and John Lynch to make sure they do not reach that breaking point and they calm this raging storm that is this fan base. And I do think the, the, I do think the Niners lose on Sunday. I hate saying that. Because if it's a mud bowl, again, two snares, if it's a mud bowl, I think they lose 27 to 20. If it's a dry day and it's not raining or it's a, a drizzle and Garoppolo can throw the ball, I think it's 28-24 San Francisco wins. But that all depends on the weather. And currently, it is a 100% chance of rain in San Francisco, Santa Clara on Sunday. So again, if it rains, 27-20 Colts. If it doesn't rain, 28-24 49ers. And if you want to know what's going to happen with this team going forward, you're going to want to know my takes, catch up with the podcast. You are going to want to follow us on social media. Instagram is at 49ers.access, Twitter 49ers underscore access. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave a review. My name is Sterling Bennett. Again, two weeks until we see what this team actually becomes and what this season will actually be. You're going to want to hear it, all of it on this podcast. Going to want to listen to every single episode as we detail either the fall of Garoppolo's tenure or the restructure of this season and a re-rise to prominence for our 49ers. This has been the 49er Access Podcast. And until next time, hopefully you're celebrating a victory on Monday. Haven't had one of those in a really long time. Stay faithful.